0: Welcome to the e-commerce field podcast, the show dedicated to helping seven-figure-plus owners build incredible businesses and amazing lives. I'm Andrew Udarian, and today on the show, wanted to chat with someone to give us a sense of what Amazon truly is looking like at the start of this new decade. Looking forward, a lot has changed there in just the past year alone, and you know a lot of people are also you know, running into some you know additional problems uh, and maybe hesitations with, with selling on the platform and so to get a you know an accurate kind of a sense of the landscape, I'm bringing on Greg Mercer, who is the founder of Jungle Scout, a company that provides a whole ton of tools and resources to Amazon sellers. And he knows, as you'd imagine, this, this space incredibly well. And we talk about a lot of stuff. We talk about you know, what's going on in the IP counterfeiting uh, arena, if he's you know, how much more of that he's seeing, how to launch a product today, the difference between today versus two years ago. We talk about some case studies that he's done internally with his company in terms of where they were able to drive their conversion rate from 3% up to 50%. 15% and how they did that. Uh, talk about paid traffic on Amazon, all sorts of different stuff. So uh, it's a good discussion. He knows the stuff and it's, it's, uh, yeah, and it uh, hopefully will be useful to you if you're thinking about getting on the platform or selling on it already. But first, I want to give a big thank you to our sponsor who makes the show possible. A big shout out to the team at Clavio, who just released publicly their new SMS functionality, which is pretty cool. If you know Clavio, you know that they are. Their superpower is being able to segment your messaging, create these automated flows that convert at a much higher rate based on what your customer is doing or what they've purchased or what they haven't purchased. And now you can incorporate SMS text messaging into that flow. Uh, SMS having some incredible, when done properly, has pretty incredible reach and penetration in terms of, you know, getting right to the your customers. So... If you are thinking about using them, try them out. They've got some flexible pay-as-you-go pricing, and you can learn more about how to get started if you're not using them or wrap them into your existing Klaviyo account at klaviyo.com forward slash ECF. All right, let's go ahead and jump into my discussion with Greg from Jungles.
1: Mr. Greg Mercer, welcome to the show, sir. Andrew, thank you for having me on. It's been too long, and I am excited to chat with you again. Yeah, I know. it has been a while. It's uh, yeah, I think you're overdue for some some tacos in Tucson, if I remember correctly. I am overdue for that. I need to make that happen sooner rather than later. You were
0: in um, oh Sedona, you said recently, right?
1: Yeah, just a few weeks ago. I love Arizona. I need to uh, I need to spend more time out there. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's a cool state. I'm getting a, a new appreciation for it. So I'm I excited to dive in here on a bunch of stuff, but I first have
0: to ask, uh, this is a little bit outside the scope of maybe just the, the traditional Amazon, but what's your take? I mean, you're in the Amazon world, you develop Amazon products, uh, software products to help merchants. And so the, the Seller's Labs X-Cart acquisition was one that I saw. I, I, and you're, again, kind of in that space, did that surprise you? And what were your thoughts on that being, you know, much closer to that side of the industry than me? Because that was a, a that was an acquisition that for me, I was like, huh, I did not see that coming.
1: Can't say I saw it coming either. To be honest, I, I wasn't that familiar with Xcart before I heard about the acquisition. So you know, I did a little digging around on it. Yeah, you know, it, uh, I guess my only kind of thoughts or opinions around it is it's just kind of I'm kind of curious now what. Seller Labs has in store, what their plans are for the future? Because it seems like a little bit of a, a pivot from their their current business.
0: Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Like wild speculation here. I should probably get someone from Seller Labs to come talk about it <laughs> speculate about what they did. But I I think they're doing one of two things. I think either, you know, potentially maybe they're sitting and saying, hey, we've got an entire portfolio built on Amazon. And Amazon, if they want to, they can build out these tools in-house uh, or cut off API access, you know, potentially. So if we, you know, have something that's completely diversified off Amazon uh, and a shopping cart, you know, a standalone shopping cart is about as diversified off Amazon as you can get potentially maybe it hedges the risk of that. So, uh, you know, hedges the risk of cataclysmic, uh, some kind of event that happens. Uh, The other, uh, the other side potentially is that they try to build, you know, maybe they're looking to take all of those tools, build those into X cart and just make this behemoth of a shopping cart. That is your, you know, almost like a an Amazon ERP shopping cart, all mashed into one, where it's where you go for for all of you know those those two main platforms, and it's got a bunch of built in tools with it as well. So those were the two things I was thinking, and obviously, you know, again, wild speculation, but those are the two things that came to mind.
1: Cool. If you had to guess, what would you guess the acquisition acquisition price was?
0: Oh man, I have no idea. I, I mean, <laughs> Me X Card is is. It has not been on the forefront of adoption recently. So, I mean, I I have no idea. (laughs) I would be just, I mean, yeah. Do you have a guess? Because I don't.
1: No, I don't. Like I said, I wasn't really that familiar with XCart. I think I had heard of it a few times before, but I don't think I've visited XCart's website in years probably. Yeah, anyway, it's kind of interesting.
0: Again, again, I need to reach out to them. If you're listening from uh, Sellers Lab, Jeff, or anyone else, uh, drop me a line, man, and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it, so. and apologies for not reaching out to you first. So I've had the interesting, you know, it's to, obviously, Amazon is, is is what you know better than anything else. You've got a great suite of tools you guys have built up around those, and I figured we could kick things off by trying to have a, a real discussion about the state of Amazon, and, you know, anyone listening, no surprise, it's gotten a lot more difficult. Still you know, a lot of opportunity on the platform, but it's gotten, you know, last two years significantly more difficult. And I actually just did a prediction episode and predicted for the first time ever that year over year, at least like in the state of the merchant server that I do, which is you know, kind of focused around sellers in the, you know, mid seven figures range that this next year is going to be the first time ever we see the percentage of sellers on Amazon go down, not by a lot, but I think maybe just a tiny bit. Cause this last year it almost stalled completely.
1: So do you think that's realistic or do you think that that's being overly pessimistic? I see there's a few different pieces with this to unpack, you know. Let's let's start with like big picture. Do I believe that the sales on Amazon will increase year over year? I think absolutely. You know, their third quarter grew like crazy, even beat all of Wall Street's predictions, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. So it's like I definitely believe sales on Amazon will grow. It sounds like you agree with me there. So then it's like, okay, who's going to be making these sales on Amazon? If the past decade is any sign of the future, then third-party sellers are going to make up a larger percentage of sales on Amazon. And I personally believe that that trend is going to continue to go in that direction. I think most of the people you speak with at Amazon would agree because they have, they're having more and more of a focus on the the marketplace side of it, the third party market, uh, yeah, third party sellers as opposed to their 1P business and there's a few different reasons for that and we could get into that if you want. And then it's like, okay, so if that's true or if both you know, if number 1 and number 2 are true there, then who of those third party sellers are going to be making more of the sales? And I would say that the I think in the past year or two, we have seen a consolidation in that the larger sellers are making more of the sales. And the, you know, the wannabe entrepreneur just getting started, launch your first product, it's getting more and more difficult for those people to do so. So that's what I believe to be true. But kind of a funny thing about it is we've done a lot of studies around just like the distribution of sales for Amazon sellers. So we know that there's, there's, there's like three or 4 million people who have signed up for seller central accounts, but only like 2 million of them have ever made one sale on Amazon of those couple million who have made one sale. There's only about 200,000 sellers who have done are are doing a hundred thousand per year or more. But I mean, that's still a really, really small business, right? A hundred K per year in sales. Like that's not, uh, you know, you probably can't even support your, your own lifestyle off that. So like those are still like side hustle type people right They're not even really doing it full time if you're only doing a hundred thousand per year. It kind of continues on a similar curve in that there's there's only a few number of Amazon sellers who are doing a lot in sales, but there's still just like a lot of Amazon sellers who are doing a smaller amount in sales. So I think the I think that bucket of Amazon sellers doing 100k per year or more will continue to grow for the foreseeable future. so like, you know, we know this year it's like 200,000. My guess next year is it's going to be like 250,000, you know, the following year, maybe like 300,000. But I also believe like for that person who's like just trying to get started and would be doing like five or 10 or 20K per year in sales, that it's probably going to be more difficult for them to do so because you do have to take it, you know, relatively seriously in order to like to succeed in the space.
0: Yeah. How much of it do you
1: think is an entrenched existing
0: competitor? advantage like i think about seo when i started and man going back now trying to think about outranking one of my old sites starting in 2019 2020 just sounds horrifically painful and you think about you know from a review basis from just people already having the velocity how much of it do you think is just it's it's really difficult to overcome some of those existing advantages that some of those longtime players have already you know have already built up
1: You know, I believe that Amazon and their ranking algorithm does take into account sale, like historical sales and historical sales velocity. So that right there is going to give any existing product on Amazon competitive advantage over someone launching a brand new product. I also believe that more reviews is more social proof. It's going to convert better. When it converts better, you also get ranked better. So, you know, existing listings on Amazon do have a competitive advantage for brand new listings on Amazon. I think that's true. But one of the things that actually is really interesting, if you think about it with Amazon, is besides those two things I just named right there, they don't really give any competitive advantage to the guys who are doing 100 million a year on Amazon compared to the guys who are doing whatever, 50,000 or 100,000 per year on Amazon. Assuming we're talking about 3P Seller Central here, like the tools and resources they have, like, you know, succeed on Amazon are essentially the same. I personally, you know, no one knows for sure except Amazon, but I personally don't believe they take into account the seller feedback or the sales of the whole, the seller account as a whole. I think they look at that independently uh, from what they do, like individual ASINs. So, you know, these really big players, I'd say the competitive advantages they have are the economies of scale. I think a lot of it is around like the supply chain, and their ability to get goods from the factory into Amazon really inexpensively because they're doing whole containers and they're doing floor loaded containers and they have negotiated better rates. I also think that they're better at negotiating with factories and getting better rates there. So I think the competitive advantages are around those like economies of scale and not necessarily that Amazon is favoring these big players more than the little guys. Interesting. So yes, they're going to have the, the,
0: the benefits of a big court, but you're saying asin to asin, there's no big uh, you know superpower halo effect that Amazon is going to endow upon a really you know someone selling ten million dollars a year versus someone selling a hundred thousand dollars a year at the at the at the account level, they're going to look at it just on the merits of each asin individually.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm actually pretty darn confident in that. We've done like just like tons and tons of research. And we have data science teams and we're always looking at all those kinds of stuff. And I, I'm like 99.99% confident that's true. And if you think about just how they've developed, designed their platform, it's very much that the seller is disconnected from the listing. Like no seller like owns a listing. You know what I mean? Like you can create a listing, but it's just in their catalog and other people can edit it. So it's not like, that's never like a seller's product or a seller's listing there's listings, you know, they have a catalog that exists in their marketplace. And when you sign up as a third-party seller, you're allowed to sell your goods on the appropriate listing that, you know, that matches that individual UPC. So it also just makes sense of, you know, the history of Amazon, kind of like how they've designed their platform as well.
0: So, and with all that in mind, you know, thinking about it is maybe not unfair advantage, but it is a little harder on some fronts. When you, if you were gonna start launching a product today from scratch, Maybe a couple of years ago, the process would look like, and this is a real high-level uh, summary, but you know, use tool like Jungle Scout, find a product with reasonable volume, that and, and something you can manufacture at a reasonable price. Read reviews, find a way you can differentiate it. You know, go get it made, lose some money a little bit while you promote it to to increase the sales velocity, get it up in the rankings, optimize your listings, great images, keywords, etc., and then make sure you keep it in stock, and then rinse and repeat. Is that still the process that you think you would use today that would work? And maybe a second part to that uh, is. Are there any particular areas where you see more more opportunity than not? Like I think one thing that we always tried to do was was launch products because if you have a brand new product that comes out, there isn't a history of a bunch of you know people trying to get links to it or, or promote it or sell it. You kind of have at some level it's it's a it's a much fair playing ground from ground zero because brand new right and so uh that was something we always tried to really hit hard with links and promotions early on so yeah is, how would you launch your product today and are there any particular areas that you think are you know particularly advantageous from
1: opportunity sampling? so actually just in the past like two months we've at jungle scout we've been interviewing a lot of customers because we're trying to think like okay what's the future of this you know what are they looking for and it's been like really really fun to talk to these like different sellers of all different sizes a big piece of that is, you know, some of them are these brand new guys who just getting started, just launched their first product. And I've also had the opportunity to, to chat with a few dozen sellers who are doing 50 million a year or more in sales. And I've kind of asked them all those same questions. Like if you were to start over today, like how would you do it? And one of the, actually the really interesting things was if you speak, if you listen to like a bunch of podcasts and listen to all the, the the thought leader type people, you know, they'll say all this stuff about differentiating and creating your brand and this, that, and the other thing. But what was actually really interesting about speaking with all these guys doing 50 million a year or more is that like 80% of them aren't doing that at all. 80% of them are just launching me too products and they just have relentless efficiencies <laughs> of like, of, they just have like relentless supply chain efficiencies uh negotiating skills with the factories and just created a very efficient system that they can launch lots of products very easily you know that it's just like moving it through like step one photos step two create the listings you know step three whatever and then like one day they've created a new one and like the next product the next day they launch another product and the next day they launch another product and they're all just like exact copycats of uh, other products on amazon so i thought that was like really interesting because it's like man actually You know, the majority of these really successful businesses doing tens of millions of dollars a year, they're not doing what, you know, the most people are talking about on the internet about, you know, coming up with ways to differentiate it and whatever else. It's it's like, it's just the exact same thing. (laughs) And they're the first to admit that, which is what's really funny. Now, yeah, the other 20%, they are much more focusing on making improvements to the actual products. And some of those are working as well. So, that being said, if I was launching a one product today, and you know, this is my first product, this is my first chance into Amazon, it is difficult. The reason I think most of like the, the podcasters or thought leaders or you know, wherever wherever you're finding your information on the internet is what they're talking about is like, you know, find ways to differentiate it and improve it and whatever else, is because In order to succeed with that first model about just like launching a high volume of Me Too products, you do have to have like those ruthless like efficiencies that are harder at smaller scales. And that's why I think like the people who are, have success with the first product they launch, it does have like some pretty serious improvements that would make customers want to purchase that instead of something that's existing on Amazon. It's
0: interesting. You talked about like the mantra that, you know, the podcasters are talking about and things in terms of what reality versus what actually happens for some of these big sellers. And one thing that I has been a challenge for me since I've been, you know, for the most part, out of the uh, the e-commerce camp for the last few years and focused on the community is like, is I have to work a ton harder to stay up to date with like what's actually happening from from you know that you know research, talking to people, as opposed to just being able to do it on the ground and having it, you know, just kind of you know knowing it from osmosis and. There's been some real benefits that like my core product and the community I think has benefited from that, from that focus, but it's been, you know, I miss and it's harder to be able to not completely just stay up to date and to know, you know, have a reasonable idea about what I'm talking about. Right. From your perspective, like you've, you went from selling on Amazon to building the software product and it's done extremely well. And, you you know, I'm I'm guessing you, you probably have had to do some of that to shift your focus from. Running the Amazon businesses to, you know, to the software side of things, especially with how how you know, large of an organization it's come. Is it, so, are you still in the trenches on a regular basis, like selling on Amazon stuff? Uh, and if not, like, is that something that you miss? And you had the same struggle that I have had as, in terms of just having to work a lot harder to to stay up to date on stuff because you're not doing it day to day in the trenches.
1: Yeah, I would say I've made a concerted effort to stay fairly involved with it. Now it's oftentimes more often involved with like our, like the education or like the content that we're recording. And as a result, I'll be like testing new things or trying some different stuff or recording a video about this. So I'd say that I've, I probably still spend at least five, maybe 10 hours per week still like doing stuff on Amazon just to try to stay really connected, like with that customer. And it's cool because now I can spend that time like running new tests or like trying something different instead of like calling uh, seller central support. So like someone else in my team, like they have to call Seller central support and say like, Hey, why is this listing suppressed and try to get it unsuppressed or whatever else, but more of like the fun stuff, like the optimization, like the, the trying new stuff. I'll, I still do like almost all of that just because it's really hard to stay very connected with all the changes, because like it's changing every day, right? There, there's different things working. They're releasing new tools inside of Seller Central. They're changing up the paid ads platform. So like it's pretty hard to stay very connected with that without actually being at least a little bit in the trenches.
0: Hey, it's Andrew here uh, with a quick sidebar to tell you about the e-commerce fuel private community. If if you're a store owner selling your own products, your own proprietary products, at least in the six high six figure range, uh, or selling any amount of products, seven figures or above, you should check this out. It's a community of a thousand plus vetted in the trenches store owners, just like you, that are going through the same things, that are experimenting with the same things, that want to talk about the same things. It's a pretty great community. These people all of them are vetted. So they're real store owners, real names, real businesses, not Amazon seller 492. So you can trust them. There's transparency there. And it's almost all store owners we will occasionally let let vendors in only if they're recommended, they have deep subject area expertise, and they promise not to solicit or pitch because we want to create a great environment for discussion. So apart from the forms that we've curated with as members, is a proprietary software directory as well. So let's say you're thinking about, you know, rolling out a new ERP system for your store. If you're in the middle of that, you know that there's dozens of options. If you make a suboptimal choice, you're probably going to waste three months of your life, <laughs> you know, having to roll it back and change. And so, you know, as members of our community, they can tap into this directory, this review directory and see, you know, all these reviews of all the top ERP solutions to see which ones work well, which ones don't, and follow up with members about ones they're thinking about. So if this sounds interesting to you, come check us out and apply for membership. We'd love to have you be potentially involved with that. And you can learn more about that and apply at ecommercefuel.com. All right, let's get back to my discussion with Craig. Good work, man. It's impressive you're able to do that well while still... Still, you know, guiding the uh, the company. I want to talk about a little a case study that you that you mentioned on another podcast, where you had a product that was kind of languishing, you know, doing you know three percent conversion rate, and you made some tweaks and changes, and almost you know five x the conversion rate up to fifteen percent or so. Talk about that a little bit, if you would. Like, what did you guys do? Uh, what are some of the things that you did that had a, you know a really um, you know, impactful, you know, really impacted that that listing?
1: That was actually one of the more fun experiments I've run, kind of like in the recent past. And I think I did that or well, I did it just because I like to try a whole bunch of new new things and it was fun. But I think everyone's looking for like, hey, what's that silver bullet? Like, what's that one secret that I don't know, that's just going to like blow up my business. (laughs) That's going to make everything easy. And the truth of it is almost every single time, it's just grinding it out and, you know, death by a thousand cuts and a lot of small tweaks. And the same thing was true in this scenario that we did a whole bunch of split tests. We tried a whole bunch of different images and prices and getting people to ask questions on the listing and responding to them. And we just literally did like, you know, a hundred little things. And over the course of, I think it was like three or four months, we were able to go to a conversion rate of around 3% up to a conversion rate of around 15%. Now, part of that, was because it got more sales and more reviews during that period and more reviews, more social proof, it helps the sales. But I do believe that also like a significant portion of that was just from the work we did on the listing. So, you know, maybe we would have gone from like 3% to say 6% just from all the extra reviews, but that's still like pretty much doubling the conversion rate of a listing just through optimizations. Examples of some of these would just be uh, like photography. Of course, is a huge part of it. And right now, I'm pretty big of this like us versus them or this competitive difference type photography. So just showing like you know your product next to one of the competitors and showing why it's better because I believe like most people are comparison shopping on Amazon anyway. So you know no need to hide that you have these competitors. I think that one made a pretty big difference. We did some good lifestyle photography. We did you know all the enhanced brand content, or now it's called A plus content. So yeah, just quite a few small things like that. And it was just like a little improvement here, a little improvement there until, um, yeah, we were able to make a significant difference on it. Talk about the color swatch that you added to. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So this particular product came in multiple different colors. They're listed as variations on the listing and, you know, Amazon typically shows whatever variation is selling the best on the Amazon search page. The downside to this is depending on the search page layout, Amazon or like it's oftentimes hard for the customer to know that you have it in other colors. So one of the the things we did that made a big difference was you know, you you get to see the product in the the main Amazon or you know, your main Amazon image But over on the right-hand side, there were little color swatches of the different colors that that product also has. And that increased the click-through ratio quite a bit. So yeah, that was one of the cool ones. You know, if you're listening to this and you have variations of your Amazon product, I think you should be thinking about how you can display those on all the main images so that on the search result page that uh, it's easy to, you know, tell the customer about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I'm, I'll
1: do that all the time, browsing through Amazon and see something that uh, I hate the color, and I won't even,
0: I, I, never dive in to see if it's in other colors because a lot of times it's not, and, um, so that, that makes a ton of sense. One thing you mentioned with with that case study when you were driving traffic to it was that the paid traffic on Amazon was really expensive to the point where it was probably unprofitable. And maybe I misunderstood you, but it sounded like that was something that was fairly standard. In, in some of this, the the products that you had launched. So is is that kind of the you know the new normal or fairly standard to have it be really difficult to be able to have the paid traffic in and of itself be profitable, but you're really just using it to kind of gain those rankings and over time, as you jump in the rankings based on your sales velocity, it kind of makes up for it. Uh, is that just kind of an investment you have to make or are you able to see a pretty decent level of profitability with, with some of the Amazon ads you're running?
1: I'd say like two thirds of my products the PPC as a whole for that product is profitable. And about one third, the PPC as a whole is unprofitable for the, uh, strictly for the sales that are attributed to sponsored products. So I'd say the majority of the time, and I think this is true with other Amazon sellers or a platform as a whole as well, you know, after two, three months of optimizing your sponsored products, that you can still make them profitable, you know, like, or make the sales that are attributed to PPC profitable. But I do believe that even when they're not, that they do still attribute to, you know, your overall sales, which attributes to your ranking, which attributes to getting more reviews, that like as a whole, it's still a beneficial thing to do. So I'd say that's probably what uh, Amazon sellers can expect. And yeah, an important caveat there, like I said, is after a few months. So, you know, everyone wants to like optimize their Amazon PPC overnight, and it's just not realistic. Even if you're really diligent about it, like you can still expect it to take one or two months to like get enough, just traffic and sales data to really be able to figure out like what's working and what isn't.
0: I was uh, was diving into general Scout a little bit before we hopped on, and you know I think a lot of people probably think about it as just a, a
1: plugin for Chrome.
0: gives you a few stats on what's selling, what's not, and, and rough volumes per month and things. And man, you guys have really evolved quite a bit and built the platform out. So it's, it's super cool. One, one of the things you get a lot of different tools to talk about. on one of the things that I, I knew you were doing, but then when you actually look at it and you start typing in main you know, companies here in the States that you know, and you can reverse engineer their entire logistics supply chain to see the factories they come from. That's crazy. I mean, I, I know you can do it, but it's so, it's so wild to see it in there. And so you've got the supplier directory that you can search for you know suppliers just in general, but, but also reverse engineer supply chains, which is which is pretty wild. So do you guys just do that through through all the customs, all the customs, right? And import records are all public record. And so you reverse, you kind of use those to build that database.
1: Yeah, that's right. We um, Yeah, so it's public or, you know, you can get the customs data through the Freedom of Information Act. So we get all that, we load it into the database and then it takes quite a bit of like cleaning in just, uh, yeah, you really have to just like clean up the data quite a bit to make it usable. But then after that, it's a really neat way to find out, yeah, essentially who your competitors are using or who's manufacturing their products. So we even went as far to that. Now you can just type in the ASIN and with that, so like you type in an ASIN, look at the Amazon product page to see what brand creates that product. And then we look f- through a few different records like registered LLCs and trademark records, has databases, a couple other ones to see if we can see who the owner, the legal entity owner of that brand would be. And then if it's a match, then we display it. You know, it probably only works. Hmm, I'd say 30 or 40% of the time, but when it does, it's pretty sweet that you can just like type in an Amazon ASIN and it's like, Oh, Hey, here's the manufacturer that created that uh, product on Amazon. That's insane. <laughs> this is absolutely crazy. What are some of the other features that
0: you you guys have built out recently, or getting ready to release? And maybe especially too, with with kind of the, the audience listening here in mind, not just people who are getting ready to start out, but but people who are selling already up, you know, selling a reasonable amount on Amazon already, and or. They, they want to just be able to to run and manage their business well. Because you've got some some other stuff like uh, you know, forecasting tools and, and inventory and you know, inventory forecasting and management tools. So so what are the new features, especially that can help an existing seller just run a better business on on Amazon from Jungle Scout's perspective?
1: Yes, yeah, so we have we've released tons of stuff like in the past six months. You know, so we improved a lot of the functionality for finding opportunities or products on Amazon. And like you mentioned, Andrew, that's what a lot of people know Jungle Scout for did the supplier directory like you were talking about. We have pretty powerful keyword tools these days. So Keyword Scout is our keyword research tool. I'm actually really proud of it because one, we're the search volume estimates are very, very good. So like our data science team has done a really good job with them and we can actually back check them against some real search volume data that Amazon kind of leaked out like six or eight months ago. And the accuracy was really high. So I'm really excited about them. And then the other thing that's I think we did like a really good job with is like the keyword recommendation engine. So what was frustrating for me about working with other keyword research tools is like I would type in like marshmallow sticks and all the keywords you would recommend would be like 36 inch marshmallow sticks, marshmallow sticks long, like whatever else. Whereas we've done this really cool thing to match up other keywords that customers often search for and then end up purchasing that style of product. So it like it gives you. It's just like really cool to see the keywords that it recommends for you. So I like that a lot. I'm looking at it right
0: now. It says marshmallow sticks, and so you type it in Quer- Keyword Scout. It gives you s'mores kits, sm- roasting sticks, all sorts of stuff. That is, it's not going to have the same words in a lot of them, but it's going to be you know very similar.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And like I guess to get that, we've built an algorithm to analyze search behavior for different styles of products. So like if I was selling marshmallow sticks, most people would they would kind of like go down a rabbit hole of keywords around that. And without using like a tool that has like a really good recommendation engine, like you wouldn't think of like campfire accessories or things like that. So yeah, that's why it's really awesome. Yeah, we also released keyword seasonality or like search volume seasonality, which is really cool when you're trying to do like predictions. So if you're in keyword scout, you can just expand each row and it will show you the search volume history, which is cool. Jungle Scout also now will track your key or like your organic keyword ranks so it's a pretty powerful thing to just see how your keywords are how your products are trending for different keywords man we have a whole bunch of stuff we have follow-up email campaigns we have a promotion site for you to give away coupons to bargain hunters we have a sales analytics platform to tell you about your amazon sales and all your you know your profitability data we have inventory management tool we released pretty cool alerting functionality so it tells you if there's like a hijacker on your listing or your listing's been suppressed or you know just other function or other different types of changes yeah it's pretty i'm actually really really excited about all the stuff we've been releasing because it's turning into like a very powerful tool for amazon sellers yeah it's it's definitely moved beyond extension digging around in here a ton of cool stuff what talk about a little bit about the the state of you know follow up email
0: notifications for for a while it seemed like obviously you're not going to have the email if you're, you're selling people on Amazon, but for a while it seems like you could have reasonable penetration with you know, the number of people you could follow up with with some of those tools. Uh, and then it seems like Amazon started restricting those a lot more. Like what is, how how much are able, how how able are sellers to follow up with people kind of through that kind of cloaked email address? Now, can you can you still get through them or is, is Amazon really locking that down pretty hard?
1: Yeah, so they, I would estimate right now about, 50% of them go through and 50% don't, you know, up until like, when was that? That was probably like the beginning of last year. There was no opt out on Amazon for these types of emails, which is pretty crazy because can spam act has been around since like the early 2000s. So when they released that, that's like a universal unsubscribe for all these types of emails, which was, yeah, is to be expected. I think that's the right thing for Amazon to do over time. More and more people have probably been unsubscribing right now. I'd say about half of them go through. It's They also lock down some other stuff like the tracking of the link clicks and things like that. So now it's it's also just really difficult to gauge the effectiveness of them because it's, you know whether or not they go through or get denied, but it's difficult to know whether or not they're clicking through your links to leave a review. The way that I look at it though, so to directly answer your question, I would say that they are definitely less effective today than what they were say like two years ago right because like if nothing else only half of them are getting delivered now that being said it still seems like a no-brainer to set set them up and send them because i'm still quite confident that it increases the rate at which you receive reviews just because you know like back in the day when we could track it there was like a pretty significant increase and that just makes sense right that if you ask them to leave a review you're going to get more reviews than if you never talk to them so I'd say just go into it with the expectation or the understanding that a lot of them aren't going to get through to your customer. But at the same time, like you can set them up in five minutes. If it's included in a tool like Jungle Scout and you're not paying any extra for it anyway, it's like, why not, it's, right? It's better
0: than nothing. 50% is better than zero. It, on the review front, you know, there's that kind of period of time where, man, all sorts mm-hmm. of crazy review games, incentivized reviews and fake reviews. And, and, and Amazon's kind of, you know, come up, you know, lured the kibosh on that a bit, wiped out some reviews. Are you from a review strategy, what, what works best these days? Obviously, you're going to have some level of reviews from just people who, who buy it and they go review it, or maybe they buy it and one of those 50% of emails comes through and, and they end up, uh, you know, going back and leaving a review. But obviously, much harder than it used to be. What's the best way to try to, you know, maybe it's off-site where you're trying to, you know, drive traffic to an Amazon listing and then you can, you know, follow up with people after they, you know, are on a list there to try to get a review. Is there anything that's within terms of service that's, that's, you know, not super shady that you can actually do to try to boost them reviews. You can, you can get
1: these days. There's really nothing great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love the honesty. Be honest. You know, sending the follow up emails you'll, you probably increases the rate a little bit. There's other stuff that people do that is starts to get fairly sketchy from trying to create Facebook audiences to like retarget those people to ask them to leave reviews you know there's other things that you can do like try to include an insert to get someone's email and then through and then you could email those customers asking them to leave a review so there are some things like that that are varying shades of gray and then there's there of course will always be the people who try to outsmart Amazon and just do like pure black hat stuff just paying money or whatever but to be honest I'd say that stuff is very minimal these days i mean Amazon is extremely smart as far as that stuff goes. Um, As you can imagine, it's like a lot of their success as a marketplace and their reputation relies strictly on the integrity and the quality of their review system. You know what I mean? That's like why a lot of people shop at Amazon. And they had a lot of bad press for a while. And I think that hurt like the public's trust in the review system. And, you know, I can, I know they've invested a ton of money of trying to stop that. And yeah, I mean they're they are very serious about it from all the machine learning stuff to buying data from Facebook and PayPal to see, you know, what's going on behind the scenes to to just like undercover Amazon people trying to join all the different groups and pay for training and all this different type of stuff. It's crazy. I mean they they are very very serious about it. So it is extremely difficult to do any of the black hat stuff and get away with it.
0: So if you're not using Jungle Scout, check them out at com. If you're prospecting for new products or, as we've been talking about, if you're running a business and just want to have some of this, this really rich intelligence from, from keywords to suppliers, super cool tool you've built out, Craig. Well done, man. Well, before we wrap up, uh, you have for doing a uh, quick little lightning round here, sir. Let's do it. All right. What was the most interesting costume and or thing that you saw at Burning Man recently? This is uh, we were talking about this before we got on, and you posted a bunch of pictures on Instagram. So hopefully, I'm not spilling the beans here. But yeah, what was the most fascinating thing you saw when you were on the trip?
1: The most fascinating thing is there's this area called the Deep Playa where there's no like campers, and during the nighttime, everyone's encouraged to uh, like light or wear all kinds of light up stuff. If you <laughs> if you don't, they call you a dark wad. But the most fascinating thing or just like the most jaw-dropping thing was like this huge expanse of pitch black desert, except that there were 50,000 people riding around on bicycles, like blinking LEDs, like as far as the eye could see. And it's really difficult to describe and a picture would never do it justice. But like when you're there in real life, it's like, oh my gosh, I've never seen anything like this in my life. So that was incredible. What's your favorite piece of e-commerce tech apart from general scan, of course? I think I have to go with Optimizely. I love running different tests and seeing the results of it. And the tool I used to do right now is Optimizely. And that's just for, is that
0: just for Amazon listings?
1: Uh, no, sorry. Amazon, uh, Optimizely is not for Amazon listings. It's just for uh, your websites.
0: Oh, this is like the V, okay. Like Visual Website Optimizer, they're a big competitor. Okay, gotcha. Yeah,
1: this Yeah, this is like an alternative to VWO. Least favorite piece of e-commerce tech. You know, for this question, Andrew, I got to take a dig at, at us and our friend Steve Chew. <laughs> Release <Or at> least. <laughs>
0: I love it. I'm all ears here, man.
1: My least favorite piece of e-commerce tech is uh, his Jungle Scout knockoff, his uh, Etsy Scout uh, tool. (laughs) (laughs) Etsy Scout. He didn't name
0: that after you, did he? He he wouldn't do that.
1: He shot me a text and was like, hey, man, would you get upset if I named (laughs) uh, my Etsy Jungle Scout Etsy Scout? And I was like, ha, 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 ha. He's like, no, but seriously, is that okay? Oh, that
0: is awesome. I'm, I'm Googling Etsy Scout right here. I don't think he ever launched that, did he? Etsy Scout. No, I don't think he did. I don't, he, he, was, he was adequately shamed by you to abandon the project. <laughs> I love it. What's the most effective marketing strategy you've seen in the last six months? And you can do it either from an Amazon perspective or from you know the software, the SaaS side of things.
1: In the past six months, we've done uh, two different series of webinars. It's like our most recent one was eight weeks of product launches. You know, we've always done like quite a bit of content, but we've had like a tremendous amount of success with these. And I think a piece of that is like, Having a series or something that people are following along with, and if you do a nice job with it, it's like, I think it just makes like, or adds like a little bit of extra excitement or a little extra buzz around it. So I think we'll be trying to continue to do those into 2020.
0: What's the favorite, normally I ask kind of what the favorite item you sell is, and feel free to answer that if you want to share an Amazon product. But if not, what's the favorite feature you're most proud of maybe in the Jungle Scout uh, portfolio of tools?
1: Ooh, good question. The thing I'm most proud of right now is the the seasonality data that we've created. You know, we have historical search keyword search volume, which helps. But then we've also taken it a step further, and we've done seasonality of niches as a whole. And to do this is actually quite complicated. Like, you can find it inside of, like, the Opportunity Finder if you use Jungle Scout. But, you know, we're blending search volume and like weighting different search terms differently, depending on how much volume they have, and then blending that with historical sales data for the, the first page of products for each of those search terms. So it, it's actually quite complex. It was like a really difficult thing to develop and get right. But I'm, I'm really proud of it because it's, uh, it's actually like really damn accurate, which is pretty awesome.
0: What's the last thing you apologized for?
1: Apart from insulting Steve on the podcast here. (laughs) (laughs) My wife and I have this uh, rule that I'm supposed to be home from work by 6.30 unless I text her ahead of time. So it's like, I'm supposed to be home by 6.30 unless I text her ahead of time. And let's see, it's Friday. I think Monday through Thursday, I think three of the four days I wasn't home in time and didn't text, which which is not good. So I had to do a lot of apologies around that. I'm usually really good about this because I really value my wife and I's relationship a lot, but I screwed up this week. Yeah, good thing to apologize for.
0: What's one of the life goals that you have that's at least a decade plus in the future?
1: IPO. Hopefully it's less than a decade, but that's my life goal, IPO. And
0: what's the number one quality you look for in people that you voluntarily spend time with and especially become friends with at this stage in your life?
1: Curiosity. I love it when people are just genuinely curious about everything. Like what you're up to what other people are up to it just makes for like really good conversation and it just makes like the uh a uh, human feel loved
0: agreed on that one well greg man always good to talk it's uh it's fun i appreciate you kind of getting candid on amazon and, and the good and the bad and the ugly and, and it's cool to see what you've built out at, at jungle scout so again jungle com. make sure to check it out uh, a lot of really cool functionality and features have been built out there. So if you're thinking of, you know, the old journal scout that just was the plugin, like we talked about, it, it's uh, it's come a, a long way. It's a really cool tool. So yeah, man, appreciate you coming on and talking about this and yeah, it's always good to catch up. I've had a blast. Thanks again. That's going to do it for this week. Again, a big thank you to the team at Klaviyo for making the show possible. The best place to send highly segmented messages via email and SMS to your customers to make more money. You can learn more about them and get started at Flavio.com forward slash ECF and also brought to you by the eCommerce Fuel private community, a vetted form and review directory of a thousand plus in the trenches, experienced store owners that you can connect with to help grow your business. If you want to learn more about that and apply for membership, you can do that at eCommerceFuel.com. Thanks so much for listening. Work hard and adventure often. And looking forward to seeing you again next Friday.
1: This is the ASY Radio Network Live from New York.